Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and Eileen Wu is joining me today on the show. Eileen is a weightlifting coach and the head coach and founder of Wu Lift. I'm super pumped to talk to Eileen today about weightlifting and CrossFit and to learn more about Wu Lift and all of her thoughts and philosophies on coaching. Eileen, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, James? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm having a good day. Uh, I've got my Fit Aid here with me. Okay. Mand- okay. Mandatory for the show. Uh, do you have a drink of choice for the show today? I, I have my water in my uh, clean canteen. So, hydrofluoric. Right. I'm sorry. All right. Cool. Hey, well, uh, it's good to have a water. I'll admit, I've not drank any water today. I've just had coffee and Fit Aid. <laughs> so, I'm all hopped up on minerals and caffeine. There you go. It's all you need in life. I know. That's it. My heart's racing a mile a minute and I'm just ready to go. Maybe I'll go. have water after the show. Maybe, uh, have, maybe. have you uh, have you done any training today? No, not yet. Um, it's actually a full day between um, business things and coaching things. I, I I don't think I have a free moment honestly today until eight o'clock tonight. So oh man, okay. We'll are, save that for tomorrow. <laughs> are, are you typically a uh, a morning training person or an evening training person? What's your preference? Afternoon. 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 Late in the afternoon or like early, like like two to three or something like that. Yeah, like a three, four. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm typically like a one to two type of, you know, when I can fit it in. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great time. Um, with everything else going on, three to four seems to work best. Yeah. It's like, you know, as, as a coach, it can be hard just to pencil in that time for yourself. Uh, and I know if I have to train early in the morning, uh, I might not be a happy camper for the rest of the day. If I have to get yeah. up at like 6 a.m., and start doing snatches and clean and jerks. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not good training in the morning either. I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, is um, uh, when you are training, is the snatch and clean jerk your main focus? You know, I, I know for me, it's a big part of my training. But I also try to get in a little CrossFit here and there to stay conditioned. What does your training look like right now? Well, honestly, my training looks like the basics in terms of like base strength and and the accessories with that. So right now, it's you know squat, deadlift, press, bench rows, pulls, um, and then all the baby like shoulder accessories, leg accessories, and then working with the snatch and the clean jerk, mainly just to stay tied to those movements, lighter weights, just, just to be moving with them with technique. Um, I don't find the need to really push it with those right now. Um, kind of working on overall me and overall strength before I really dive, dive back into those is where I'm at with my training myself. I like that working on overall me. That's a cool, cool yeah, way of saying overall it. Me, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, what are your goals? Like, uh, so you're, you're going to be working eventually to get back into the lifts. So are, are you just taking some time away from them right now, coaching, rehabbing something, and then you're going to get back into lifts with a bigger focus later on? Yeah. You know what? Like I, I, uh, I, I, I like to think of myself as different from a lot of weightlifting coaches or Olympic weightlifting coaches out there. And that I think the, the toolbox is bigger than just snatches and clean and jerks. You know, there's a lot of other tools in the toolbox if you're willing to see them and focus them. And that honestly take bigger priority, right? So if you're having a uh, shoulder instability issues, if you're having hip problems, if your low back is really bothering you because of an accident you had or something, I think it's important to really rehab those and get you to a proper state where you can be executing the movement well before you just start snatching and clean and jerking is my take specifically. Um, and I'm also in a part of my life where um, performing the Oli lifts myself isn't my main, main, main priority. You know, like I have 
other things um, like growing Wu Lift and helping my clients and athletes and 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 my life. And um, honestly, right now it's just Wu Lift focusing on that. So in terms of my focus, I guess from a strength or athletic standpoint, it's just to it's to move and be strong and be able to sleep at night and be just totally like working towards this process of like bettering myself, I'd say. Being, being healthy and happy, right? Yeah. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. I I think sometimes people lose sight of that, right? Like uh, you get really involved and wrapped up in an activity, whether it be weightlifting or CrossFit or some other sport, and it consumes your life to the point where you don't realize, Hey, it doesn't really even make me happy anymore. Like I'm in pain all the time and this is just not an enjoyable activity. And you wish you can go back to being, a beginner again, you know, when you were just fresh and learning everything for the same, for the first time. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I've been that person and there's a place for that, right? Like there's a time and place for snatching and clean and jerking being your number one priority always. And that's what you're doing for that moment in time. But I would say for the 90%, 95% rest of us, that's not really the case, you know? And I think it's important to, I see the lifts as an holistic, but I think it's also important to see the lifts as an holistic within you and your life, you know? So one of my master's athletes, she's incredible. Like she was an alternate for the, uh, she was an alternate Olympian. She is a military wife. She's a, she's in PA school. She's got three kids, you know, who are in and out of school with COVID. And, you know, we, she's, she's remote and we meet up every week. And sometimes she'll say, oh my gosh, I had a bad week of training or, oh my gosh, this was terrible and really get on herself about it. And then, you know, I find out a little bit more about her life. She had midterms this week. Three of her kids were sick. Her husband was out of town because he's military, you know, he's out for two weeks. And I'm like, all in all, I think you'd had a great week of training, you know? And, and if anything, I think you needed another day off because it was just too much for you to, for you to handle. Cause let's be real. The kids take priority, right? Like with her right now, her PA school takes priority. Like, so with all these other things happening, like where does it fit? And it's just reminding her and reminding, I guess the bigger collective of, yeah, the Olympic lifts are cool. They're sexy. They're important, but how important are they really to your life to the point that we start getting down on ourselves about it? Right. Can we see the bigger perspective of, no, you're actually doing really great. You showed up, you know, you're trying like, you're doing great. And that's, that's such a hard thing sometimes, like you said, to show up and, you know, family first for sure. And I, I know I've done this before and I've had lifters who have done this before and you probably have too, where the numbers and the lifts start to define you. You know, you are your snatch PR walking around, you're your clean and jerk PR. And that's definitely a, 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 a dangerous place to get in because then it starts to take that enjoyment out of it. You start comparing yourself to everybody and little do you know, like, just for the fact that, like you said, you got into the gym, you picked up that bar, you had an opportunity to lift. And that's all that really matters. You can get better on every single time you pick up that bar. Absolutely. Now, Eileen, take me back in time. I want to know the the origin story of Wu Lifts. And so how did you get into uh, weightlifting and CrossFit? Which one came first? Was it CrossFit? Was it weightlifting, the chicken or the egg? You know, that that's uh, let's let's dive into that. Okay, so before we get into the chicken or the egg, it's it is a chicken or egg scenario. People get into CrossFit through weightlifting. Uh, uh, I'm I'm sure it happens. It must happen. Okay, because I've I've I haven't heard of that happening. I've always heard the opposite happen. 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's uh it's maybe it's an easier answer to the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, the CrossFitter or the weightlifter. No, but that's my part. More the other side. Yeah, yeah, I I always see it the other side. So so I I did I came through the other side. So I I got involved through CrossFit very early on, two thousand and seven, and in two thousand and eight was volunteering judging at the CrossFit Games. I actually judged nobody knew him then nobody knew any of these guys then but um, Matt Chan uh, Jason Kalipa Dale Saran and a bunch of others on their Fran and um, at that event I met coach Bergner of CrossFit weightlifting currently now Bergner strength who saw a short stocky Asian girl who had a decent squat and encouraged me to get into Olympic weightlifting and then from there I started lifting with Bob DeCano in uh, Woodland Hills California and I did that for a couple of years. Um, that was my main focus outside of working. And then about 2010, I think, um, started working with CrossFit weightlifting in terms of um, teaching their certifications with Coach Bergner. Um, eventually got to lead the certifications as well. Had some really cool experiences with that. Got to travel around the world, around the country, um, and, and got to work and demo for him with him at the CrossFit Games as well a couple of times. So that was, that was fun. So that's my journey through weightlifting into then coaching primarily for the CrossFit folks um, or for that audience. And then I broke off from, from that crew and then started my own with WooLift. Very cool. So you've had all these awesome experiences. Uh, I want to go back to the games. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're, we're going to go through all of it, but like, what was it like being at the CrossFit Games in its early days and then just seeing it grow into the oh, game that it is today? It's just so funny because in like, you know, in 2008, I could have been a CrossFit Games athlete. They just asked people to sign up, you know? And so I remember back in those days, it was at, at the ranch at Dave Castro's. It was just, I, I believe that was Andy Thor's daughter's first games as well because everyone was talking about oh man it was such a bummer this girl from Iceland came over and she worked so hard and she couldn't get a muscle up I remember the event had finished and we were walking out you walk out past the shed you know past the pull-up rig you know down the dirt road and to, to to get to their car and she was still chipping away the games were over you know and she was there on the rings working on her muscle up but it's, it's been incredible. It's been incredible to see it grow since then into, into what it's become today, the growth and the evolution. And the athletes are amazing, right? Like from where we initially started to where we are now. I mean, like when, when I was lifting, let's say this is 2008, 2010-ish, like I think all of seven women in the United States had snatched body weight or above. And now at the CrossFit Games, you have more than seven women snatching above their body weight, if, if not every single person, pretty much, right? Like yeah. it's on you, you see snatches in the 185 to 10-ish, and it's almost routine. So it's it's done a lot. So CrossFit has grown tremendously. It's incredible. And so so has weightlifting. And it's it's been amazing to see. It's it's been it's been really cool. That that's awesome that you were able to kind of see. Annie after the event doing those muscle-ups I've heard that story before from several people and that just goes to show her will and drive as a champion right like like uh, like all right it's over I couldn't get over this wall but I'm gonna still keep trying to climb up it that's just that's such a inspiring story and it almost reminds me of like missing a lift and then you just keep going after it you know of course there's a time to stop 
but it's like a, uh, it just shows that this person is determined and has heart to them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, when, when you're working with, with uh, coach B, uh, tell me about that. I mean, uh, the, the wealth of knowledge of, of coach Mike Bergner is, is incredible. I actually got to meet him for the first time at the Arnold uh, this year. And it was okay. super cool. He was walking around the back room at the Arnold. He had his, his cowboy hat on. And I, I saw him from across the room, like several platforms away. I'm like, only one person in the world could that possibly be right now. No one else is wearing a cowboy hat out in here right now. And I, sure enough, it was Coach Bergner. I got to shake his hand and meet him. Uh, tell me about your experiences working with him, uh, the things you learned from him uh, as your mentor. Yeah, I mean, he definitely was a and is a mentor. And and I, I actually just talked to him earlier this week because I'm thinking about getting a dog. And uh, there's a, another thing coach likes other than lifting in his cowboy hats and it's, and it's dogs. So well, what kind of dog you think about getting? Oh, I'm thinking about getting a pit. Oh, all right. I've, my dream is to have a, a blue pit bull with the, Oh yes. Down. Yes. Yes. They're short and stocky. That's a weightlifting dog right there. It, it certainly is. You got any names in mind? I'm looking at to adopt, to foster than adopt. And, and um, here in California, it looks like the youngest dog you'll get is about like two, three. Okay. And by then they, they have names. Yeah. They got names. So I was going to just let it keep its name. Okay. Yeah. That's probably, yeah. It'd be confusing. I thought that was a nice thing to do. Yeah. Well that that's awesome. I hope it goes well. Thank you. Um, yeah. So coach B, I learned a lot from coach B and it was really, it was really an honor to get to learn from him and work with him and then work for him. Um, the question is, what did I learn or what was that experience like? Yeah, your experience. What'd you learn from him? Any big takeaways and meaningful lessons? Yeah, I mean, I really learned how to break down the snatch working with Coach Bergner. And and since then I've I've tweaked it and and I have my Eileen Wu take on it. And and so we've diverged. But you know, previous to that point, you talked in terms of like learning how to snatch it as a beginner, it was like, look at that person and go do it, you know? And you just tried to do it and you weren't really sure as to what it was or why. I mean, there were a couple things that I knew or that I was told in my head, like, Hey, you know, don't your butt better not come up off the floor or like, Hey, make sure you get triple extension or, Hey, you didn't quite hit it. You really need to emphasize it or, Hey, keep pulling. Like those things are big. Right. But in terms of like really how to break it down, break it down, break it down, um, is definitely something I, I, I learned the importance of working with coach Bergner. And also I had never previous to working with him learned of the top down approach. If you think about it, weightlifting back in that day, I mean, here now, nowadays, weightlifting coaches are around every corner. Any CrossFit gym basically has a weightlifting coach back in that day, they were non-existent. Like I started lifting in a boutique bodybuilding gym on carpet, right? Like paying. Nice. Oh, I lost you. Hey, uh, Eileen, you, uh, you, you, you gotta turn up your volume a little bit. Uh, yeah, I love you. Wait. Yeah. You, uh, you lost your audio. Yep. Maybe the Bluetooth kicked back in. Yeah, I can. Oh, there you are. I hear something. So weird. Oh, there we go. Okay, perfect. Technology. Where did you, where did you, where did I lose you? 
Um, uh, uh, you uh, lost me right at the lifting on carpet in a boutique bodybuilding gym. Yeah. So back in the day, I was lifting on carpet in a in a boutique bodybuilding gym on Ventura Boulevard. There was no weightlifting around. Um, there was one YouTube video, maybe two, and I would it was grainy, and I would study the heck out of that. Um, like today, there's weightlifting everywhere, so it's it's definitely not the same scene. But um, but with with Coach Bergner learning the top down approach, which I hadn't learned before then. And, and another big thing that I learned with coach Bergner was really addressing the group and working with the group and progressing a group through, through this learning, um, that I learned with him from him and then was able to do myself. So, um, all those things, definitely. Yeah. He has tremendous presence and attitude and command of a room when he's in there. I love those old crossfit.com and YouTube videos that he's in where he's like, just, yeah, I think he actually growls at people. Um, and if you don't use the hook grip, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I know when I took the CrossFit weightlifting seminar, that was a big thing, you know, like don't not use the hook grip. Uh, when you finally led the course, was he there watching you and evaluating? I can't think of something more nerve wracking. Uh, he would make a point to be there um, sometimes. And it was, it was really nerve wracking when he generally wouldn't stay for the whole thing. Um, but he definitely would make his presence known. But at that time, by the time I got there too, though, I mean, I knew the material back and forth. Like he, like I, he would forget to say something and I would whisper it in his ear. Hey, you forgot this part. He's like, oh yeah, okay. And then he would say it, or um, I was his right hand. I was demoing for him for everything. So I, I wasn't really worried about that from that perspective, but, but I was nervous about having him watch. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would be, uh, do you remember any kind of meaningful feedback that he gave you that like, it still goes off in your head today? You're like, Oh, all right. I, I remember that. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Coach B isn't quite like that. At least he isn't like that with me, uh, but the, but when I was nervous, I remember at the beginning, he would say, you know, it's, it's you, like, you don't try to be me, like be you running this course. And, and cause, cause I growl, but I don't coach B growl and I don't care to have the class you burpees, you know, not like that. So, so that, so that was very, um, that was very helpful. You know, he's like, you're great. You're really good at what you do. You're a great coach. D just be you. So that's, that's fantastic advice. Yeah, it really is. I, I think a lot of people get caught up in that trap, especially when they have a mentor. You don't have to be that person. You're your own person. Absolutely, yeah. Now, you said your other mentor and the other person you kind of learned from was uh, Bob DeCano, right? Correct, yeah. So uh, uh, what's, what's the contrast there? Do they have similar teaching styles, similar philosophies? Uh, what was it like working with uh, Coach DeCano? They're very different. They're hugely different. Um, they both have been around the sport for a long time and they both have, um, done a lot for USA weightlifting and they both have produced their own great athletes, you know, um, Bob is much quieter. He's not anywhere near as loud as, um, coach Berger. He, he has his own personality. That's very Bob. Um, so there's that, um, what I got a lot of spending time with Bob was, you know, at that time it was 
two to at least two to three hours Monday through Friday training. And also as you're training, you're watching other people train. So as you're being coached, you're watching other people being coached and you hear things and you learn things. And I, I, I really think I developed my eye in that space. Like, like, I, I think a lot of people go to weekend courses and they expect to be there after a weekend. And I don't think it compares to the hours and hours of every day, every day watching and having your eye indirectly or directly being assessed by with, with, with a coach there. Like, did you see this? Did you see that? Or, Hey, you missed that. And just hearing that and seeing that, Oh, what did he miss? Or what did he just say? Okay. Can I see that next time? And just seeing that lift after lift after lift after lift, like that's that's what it takes, you know, to really develop your eyes. So I remember um, when I'm coaching now or when I watch the analysis videos for some of the CrossFit weightlifting um, stuff, um, some of the comments are like, how do you see that? Or how do you know? Or how do you know he wasn't tighter? Well, because I've spent so much time watching these lifts. I, I can see it um, like I, I probably can see that better than I know the back of my hand, to be honest. Um, and it's just, yeah. So th that's how they're different. I'm rambling on. They're very no, different. It, it takes time to develop that coach's eye. And in order to do it, you have to see rep upon rep upon rep, just like, just like doing the lifts, right? Coaching the lifts and doing the lifts are kind of similar in that regard. You have to get the reps under your belt and do them the right way. And as a coach, you have to see lifts and be able to discern whether or not it was done the right way or what, what feedback do you need to give your lifter? Absolutely. Now, how does this all come together for your own personal coaching philosophy? How, how do you differ from Coach B and Bob Takano? You said that, that you've you know, evolved some of it. And also, I guess maybe first, uh, what inspired you to become a coach? Like, what was that moment where you were like, you know what, I want to do this too. I want to be able to help people get better at this and empower them in their lives through weightlifting. So back, back, back story. When I started CrossFit back in 2007, again, there were no CrossFit gyms around. It's not like now. And so at that time I had started, we went from the garage who, where I started off with to an industrial space and I became part owner of that gym and in becoming part owner of that gym. And also because you go take your CrossFit level one, you become a coach. Right. And so I started coaching, um, athletes, clients, then in that CrossFit space. And I really enjoyed it. And I really saw people getting better and people liked it. And they, they would ask for me and things like that. It was, you know, disorganized. It was just like every other new CrossFit gym back at that time. Um, left that to start Olympic weightlifting full-time. And I had a feeling at the end of that, that I did want to come back to coaching and that I did want to come back and coach that. So I think I always kind of knew, um, even at the beginning of Olympic lifting that I wanted to be coaching. Um, how do I differ? I, I, I have a unique personality, I would say, um, silly, goofy, but also stern, almost militaristic. And, and it's just, a, it's, um, it's different in the things that I, I guess, prioritize or the things that I look for, the ways I go about calling out movement from athletes. Um, how one coach would go about it versus another, I, I think is, is where I differ. Um, I like to think that I'm funny and I have this fun personality also. Um, but, but really the intention for me with coaching weightlifting is the empowerment of the individual and the athlete through, through what happens to be weightlifting at this point. I just happen to be good at both. 
And so really the intention, there isn't a set way, but more so as connecting with the athlete and partnering with the athlete as they move, as we go through this process. So there's no, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, It's more of, okay, this works for you. This doesn't work for you. How do we go about this? So, so an example, if I, if you'll allow me to tangent is one of the, one of the, one of the biggest things that I hated hearing when we would lead the CrossFit weightlifting course um, were coaches that would come in and say, or, or, I mean, I worked primarily with coaches then I will segue into working with coaches again next year, but they would say, I'm just here to learn cues. I just want to learn some cues to help my athletes. And that really frustrated me and bothered me because the cues manifest as a result of your relationship with that athlete. Right. So there isn't a one size fix all fits all cue. Like it, it doesn't work that way. It's really about the intention of what it is you're trying to do what is it you're trying to get out of that athlete and what's happening so here's 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 a here's a cue that isn't a cue so um i was coaching once in san diego and there were a couple guys who had come up from mexico or i think it's mexico and and their their spanish was broken but they were real like they were young boys and they're you know scoping and and but they weren't quite getting the movement right and there's a difference in your movement when you are confident in what you're doing and when you're not and we're just working with pvc but they're not getting it quite right and you know they're being flirts and i the boys were being total flirts and so i was trying to get this movement out of them and with normal people or not normal people but with people who speak english i would say hey have you ever ridden a horse? And then most people will say no. And some people will say yes, but they all acknowledge that the horse knows how you're feeling without you telling the horse how you're feeling. So if you're nervous, the horse will know you're nervous. If you're scared, the horse will know you're scared. If you're feeling good and confident, but not arrogantly. So the horse will know that too. So if you're calm, the horse will feel calm. And that will ha- having you. ridden a horse once in my life, I can say that's very true because, uh, I was not in charge of the horse, I would say. The horse was kind of in charge of me, so. And it's partnering with that horse, right? Yeah. So so one of the things it's like the barbell knows just like the horse knows. So if you go up to that barbell and you're scared and afraid and not confident and nervous, well, your movement will show that, the barbell will show that. So I'm trying to get this across to these guys and they're not really getting it. And so finally I go, hey, how do you pick up a girl at the bar? right? Are you scared? Are you nervous? Or are you, are, are you like, hey, like, can I buy you a drink? I want to dance. And these guys are already flirts, already knew the answer. But it's, again, it's not about the cue. It's about the intention. What are you trying to get out of it? Yeah, understanding your athlete and who you're talking to. And that that's part of the art of coaching, right? Like, if you, I'm sure all your athletes, you know, their job, you know, who's going, who's in their family, you know, where they go on vacation, things they like to do for hobbies, sports they've played in the past, you know, and then you can use all of that to help your athletes better understand how to move. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that, that's wonderful. I mean, and now for, for you as when you were a beginner, um, did you find that, you know, learning weightlifting was a frustrating thing in the beginning in a sense that you didn't have someone there to kind of tell you like, Hey, uh, how do you approach the bar? How do you do this and that? And then how did you kind of segue into wanting to compete in weightlifting? Basically, well, a whole lot of guidance. 
when you're working with Bob Decano, you're, you're competing. I think I competed like a month and a half into starting with things, to be honest. Oh, okay. So it happened fast. It happened right away. And, and, you know, I, I, I didn't, like <laughs> I didn't get the breakdown from him the way I break it down, but, but he did break it down right. in the way that he broke it down. And, and I was lucky because at that time, you know, by the time I think I got to Bob, he was already hall of fame coach. And he had already developed quite a few athletes. I was in his, I was the start of his second reign or his second spurt coaching. Um, and so there were athletes or there were people around, there was a support system. So uh, Sean Waxman is also a, a big time coach here in SoCal and, and I believe um, in this country. And, you know, Sean was at my first meet and he gave me my my first singlet, I'm, I'm sure I paid him, but you know, that's how that happened. Or, um, Emmy Vargas, also a coach here in SoCal up in, in the Valley. Um, I remember, I, I remember I, I, I was, I was at this meet. It was me and this other girl, one and two, honestly, the other girl should have had it. I was a super at that time, but I was barely a super. And this girl was much bigger than me and stronger than me. And I knew it. And it was down to the last lift, you know, and Emmy was there and she's like, hey, stay here with me. Stay. You are going. So, you know, it, it was different than um, I would lead a class, but it was deaf. But I did get it. I wasn't I wasn't showing up to meets by myself doing it. I did have a support system and I was shown. Were, uh, are, would you say that you're a very competitive person? Like when you get to a weightlifting meet, you're like, oh, it's going down. I'm taking it to everybody. I'm going to make my lifts. I'm going to get on that metal stand. Um. You know, at that time, weightlifting wasn't as big. And, and so I honestly have like a bunch of medals and trophies that I don't even know where they are right now. Like they're somewhere. But but I do take it very seriously. You know, you spend you spend your entire year, you know, that's how many cycles leading up to the point of this meet. So I'm not necessarily a, I'm going to kill it, but I am very a, I'm in my zone and don't fuck with me. Like, don't talk to me. Don't fuck with me. Don't ask me what I do for training. Don't ask me what I had for breakfast. Like, don't ask me what movie I watched yesterday. Like after the competition, we can talk about all those things just fine. Like, I don't give a shit until yeah. then. Like we're focused on the meat, nothing else. I like it. I like the intensity. And, you know, I can tell by watching your videos, you, you bring a very similar intensity to your coaching. You know, I like it when I'm watching the video and you're like, hey, you, you stand there. No, I said stand there. You know, like you have to be firm. You have to be, you know, uh, er, you know uh, garner the respect in the room and show people that this is exactly what I want. So I, I think that's a good energy to have. Well, thank you. Now, when you're working with uh, CrossFitters and weightlifters, do you pri primarily work with only CrossFitters or do you work with anyone right now that is also trying to pursue things in weightlifting? I mean, I, I work with some masters athletes primarily. Um, I don't have any junior open athletes, which I'm fine with um, because I, I mean, they are sexy, but it's not the end all be all. Um, I, I like working with CrossFitters honestly, because there's so much on the table. Like they leave so much on the table in terms of improvement and gains that can be made in a very short amount of time. And that's just fun for me, right? Hey, yeah. let's do a little bit of this. Hey, let's do a little bit of that. Hey, practice this a little bit two weeks later. Oh my gosh. You just put 40 pounds on your snatch, you know? Yeah. And they, they need a lot of help. They're trying to focus on so many things, you know, you know, getting into CrossFit, there's so much terminology. There's all these different movements. You want to look good. The workouts are so hard. And then you also have to get this snatch thing just right. 
yeah. and it comes up once a week in your training and it's frustrating. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard way to do it. It's a hard way to do it. So how do you differ your programming for these two people? I'm assuming for CrossFit, maybe it's more technical as opposed to strength training because they have so much other training going on. How do you kind of balance between not affecting the CrossFit too much from an overall sense? Well, for the CrossFit athletes, honestly, it's, um, the, the programming is not really programming. It's more drilling because they have the work they're already doing. And I don't need to put more on top of that. Like it, I mean, it, it would differ if, if they were transitioning from CrossFit to lifting, lifting, but if they're still CrossFitting, then I, I generally don't mess with the programming. I just want them to do some homework and some drilling. Um, I, I mean, the first, uh, the first CrossFit Games athlete I worked with, Danae Brown, back in 2014, 2015, like I did give her suggestions on her programming and I would ask and I would dig because, because I believe there was stuff we were leaving on the table and, and deficiencies within her, within her as an athlete that her programming wasn't addressing. So I'll definitely do that. But for the most part, I'll I, I stay in my lane, right? Like you're a CrossFitter, you have your stuff that you're working on and you're looking at me for supplemental. And this is what we're doing. Like I said, if we're transitioning completely, well, that's a complete other story. Then we'll, then we'll talk. No, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and you don't want to step on the toes of their CrossFit coach, you know, do you find that you're working uh, in conjunction with a CrossFit coach? Like, Hey, okay, this is what you got planned. We got snatches coming up. Here's what I, I told you know, ex-athlete to do for drilling to get better? Yeah, that, that's hard because a lot of people, especially CrossFit coaches, think they know how to coach the lifts and they don't. And that other oh, just talking to you because they need to hear it from somebody else. And you're just like, okay, sure, sure, thanks. Um, and so so from that perspective, it's it's hard to deal with them especially if they think they already know the answer. Generally, yeah. for the most part, I deal with the athlete who just comes to me directly and to learn lifting, especially through this, through the technique class. And I, and I'll tell them, Hey, until we get to the point, it takes us eight weeks to build up to a full snatch. And I, and until we get to that point, I, I tell them, I don't want them full snatching because it'll, it'll affect their movement. And I've seen it each and every time. If you're full snatching and we're only learning the high hang snatch because we go top down, then it's going to just take you even longer. You're not going to get as good gains. So um, it, I, I worked with um, a CrossFit programmer, um, once Tim Thackeray, who has built up athletes, at least one to the CrossFit games. And we collabed and I would say, hey, like, I would, I would give him my Olympic lifting portion of the programming and he was fine with that. So that works out well, but Tim and I, Tim and I have known each other for years and we lifted together with Bob. So that's yeah. a different story. And so when you say um, you don't want them full snatching, you're saying from the floor, but when they're working from the hip, they're still doing the full squatting motion of the snatch, right? Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a high hang squat snatch as CrossFitters like to say. There we go. Now with, with working with so many people over the years, you've, you've been involved in CrossFit and weightlifting from essentially like the, their almost infancies, you know, into what they've blown up into now in this country, uh, for athletes, this is a two-part question for athletes. What have you noticed has been the, like the number one error that they're always committing either in the lifts or maybe even their approaches 
to weightlifting, if you were to narrow it down to one thing, you're like, if I could fix this one thing right now on everybody, it would be this. I'm going to, I'm going to give you two. The first one is always chasing that one RM. And then the second one is grip and rip, just rushing to pick up the barbell. I think those would be the two. Not, not being patient and getting set up and having a setup, you know, sequence regardless you're saying. Yeah. Well, not, not, not even that it's like, you know, when you go up to the barbell and just yank it off the floor, you're not even there's, there's not, there's no preparation there. There's no getting set. There's no mental mindset. There's no, what is my body doing? And then you, and you see it, it result, you see the result in, in how they actually lift. So that's what I would say. Do, Do you think that that problem stems from doing snatches and clean and jerks in Metcons? Like, do you think like, uh, or like maybe people are getting into doing those movements in Metcons too early where maybe they should just focus on the skill, master it first, get their technique ingrained, and then try to go fast and do 21 reps in a row with a lightweight or even a heavyweight? Yeah. I mean, like I, 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 yes and no. If you're doing something like an Isabel, but you're doing at a really, really, really lightweight for you and not as RX then I think you can keep it as long as you can differentiate. And as long as you know that it's a completely different movement, it's written on the board as snatches for time. I think it's 21 or 25, whatever it is. Uh, 30. 30, sorry. But, but know in your head, it's not the same thing. Um, so that's thing. Number one thing. Number two is, yeah, I, I think the technique should be ingrained and known fully before you start messing around with like medium, heavy, 75% ish heavy stuff in Watts. And, and, uh, I, I think it, it, it's, I think it's better for the athlete. I mean, just look at Matt Frazier and Tia Toomey, you know, like yeah. both, both Olympic lifting athletes who have no problems with their lifts because it's so ingrained of what is right and, or what, what their body needs to do. So, um, like I said, in, in my video for the, the last event, the snatch speed ladder that just happened at the 2020 CrossFit games. Like I really, really liked that event because it was close enough to one RM ish, but it had an element of speed, but it still really, really tested your technique at a weight heavy enough that you, you had to pay attention to it. So, um, so, so in, in, in the, in the line of like barbell cycling, Isabel all the way to one RM, it was close enough to one RM to, to, to really test it and to really see it. So tangent short, Yes, I agree. They should work on their technique first. Yeah, I, I like that event too. I thought it was brutal having to start with the weight that you ended with each round. Yeah, <laughs> especially if maybe. But it makes sense though. If you think on, about yeah. it, it kind of makes sense from a warm up perspective because how much time is being taken in between it each. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and it makes sense what you're saying too about you know Matt and Tia. It, I on one of those rounds, I think Matt missed a lift but he was able to get right back on it and hit it, uh, essentially doubling it. You know, he's, he's doing doubles while everyone else is doing singles and he can just get right back on it. And his technique is so robust and so confident. He does, he can, he can afford more degrees of error versus these other guys, you know, they may not have that foundation, some of the rookies, and they're not going to get out, be able to get away with it and bounce back for that. That's a great word. Robust. His technique was robust. I agree. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So Matt Frazier, if you're listening to this, you have robust technique. <laughs> he already knows, I'm sure. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So a uh, part two of this question, that was the athlete side. Uh, what about coaches? Now, what do you see as being the most egregious common error that 
coaches are committing when working with athletes. And these could be um, beginner coaches to, you know, people just starting out, uh, maybe on the same level as those beginner athletes. But what, what are your thoughts on that? I think the troubleshooting is, is shallow. It's superficial. I think from, from what I see from a lot of coaches, it's they're, they're beginning to kind of develop an eye. And so when they watch a lift, they can see maybe the one or two things that are kind of wrong, right? And they're not wrong in that, yeah. But what about the five other things that happened in that lift and what caused those five other things? Like that's the real question and that's the thing you wanna address, right? So, so if someone's not getting enough extension or if they're not getting, yeah, if, if they're not getting enough extension on, on their lift, why? It's not, it's generally not cause they're just not getting enough extension. Yeah. So like, what are all the other things that happened and, and what do you need to address to help them with that? That's what I would say when, when I see coaches, um, they, the number one thing I see, the number two thing I see with coaches that really breaks my heart and is the reason why WooLift got started, at least on the online perspective is the approach of they're not getting it because there's something wrong with the athlete. So it broke my heart. Like I had an Instagram post a while ago and asking my followers why they thought they weren't PRing or what was helping them from continuing to grow in their lifts. And about 30 to 40% of them said it was mental. And when I asked those guys, they said, well, I think there's something wrong with me because my, I'm strong enough and I'm scared to get under the bar. Or I can't get under the bar and I can't snatch it, even though I'm, I'm strong enough. And my coach says there's something wrong with me. I think there's something wrong with me. And I think that's just a, such a disservice to, to these folks, right? Yeah. There is nothing wrong with you. I don't think so. You just, you just haven't been shown yet. And so let's show you. And then well, it's like, you need a coach to believe in you too, you know, versus saying there's something wrong with you. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, cause if not, you're kind of putting a ceiling on the athlete's head. Uh, like uh, it's like every athlete you have, it's like, I, I think you can do this. You know, I know you can do this. Let's do this. Versus yeah. But it's also developing wrong. the relationship with the athlete where, where they know you're just not saying that. Yeah. You, you know, know. It's like, I, I know, I, I know my athlete enough, or I know this person enough to say, okay, this is our next step. And I know we're okay. And I know this next step and I know we're okay. So that when they ask you and they look at you, you can sit there with confidence and you know, they're okay. And you can be there for them. Right. It's not just a, Hey, if, if Joe Schmo or like Sarah, whatever, like says, Hey, my squat is 300 pounds, 500 pounds. Do you think I can snatch 175? I'm not going to say, of course you can. Like, I don't know anything about you. Like I've never seen you lift before. Like, how can I know that? But if I am dealing with my athlete directly, like let's say Jonathan or Josh or whatever, and they just hit like, let's say Jonathan, he just hit 260 on the snatch and I was there with him. And I'll say, Hey, put two and a halfs on each side. And he'll say, Oh, are you, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Because yeah. I know it. I've seen it. I've worked with him at that point. So that's a different story. No, I, I think that that's a great way to look at it. And now what's, how would you go about kind of correcting all these issues in the, the, the weightlifting and CrossFit world where you have lifters who maybe the most common error is they're chasing one rep maxes, like you said, and maybe not focusing on the fundamentals too much. 
and they're not getting tight enough at the start. What's your answer to that for those people? Maybe one of them's listening right now. They're like, hey, that is my problem. How do you recommend they fix it? And then for coaches, how do you recommend they get better at forming relationships with athletes? Because that sounds like the what the, the error is there. I'm going to start with that one because that one's because um, you just said that one. I, I think I think with coaches, if they could take a step back and realize that I'd, I'd, I'd be curious as to what their intention is with coaching and what their why is. And and that's going to drive their actions and their beliefs. Um, but after that, for me, at least, it's um, it's realizing that you're not the center. The athlete is right. And with the athlete being the center, can we listen and can we pay attention to what's happening here and let that show you what's next as opposed to, well, this is what I want, or this is what I think, or this is what I say. Well, yeah, it's not about you. Move on. Yeah. Communication. It, it more than just communications, listening. Right. Um, and for the big time athletes, it depends on where we are and what we're doing. If Sam Briggs calls me and she's two weeks away from a competition and wants to shore something up, I'm not going to approach her the same way I would any other athlete at the start, at the end of game season, looking to improve their lifts for next year. Right. So with an athlete, like let's say a Sam Briggs who has two weeks to competition, I would pick the easy things, the small things that wouldn't really affect her technique too much, but she could carry over and would help her tremendously. With everyone else, we start the same way we start everywhere else, from the beginning, from the basics. Um, I, I just talked to one of my athletes this morning. We just worked on a technique for the snatch. And she's, a, she's an everyday crossfitter. She's a mom, she's a lawyer. And just working on technique, she went from an 85 to a 110 pound snatch in like a matter of like, two months, not right. having really drilled anything else, you know? Congrats. Yeah. And, and you hear those stories all the time and I hear those stories all the time. Um, so, so I, I think the normal everyday CrossFitter um, and weightlifter and the games athletes, they think it's that different and it's not, I would, I would put a CrossFit games athlete in my technique class starting from the beginning, any day, all day, if that's where they were at. Yeah. And you know, the ones that are going to be the most successful are the ones that are going to be like, yeah, I want to take this technique class and work on this versus I'm too good for it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've gotten past the point where I need to convince people or fight with people. I just let them tell me when they're ready. Try to listen. Yeah. And it's, people realize they're ready at, at different points. You know, they may not be ready at first, but then a couple months down the road, they might say like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, to do this. You know, yeah. some people just need to learn the hard way. Yeah, totally fine. Now, when, when you're teaching, you're starting people off with a PVC pipe. Yep. How uh, are you teaching the Bergner warm-up? And piggyback off that question, how long are you keeping people on PVC pipe before you progress to a barbell? I, I have my variation of the snatch progression. Um, I've, I've, I have my variation of the snatch progression, and that's what I teach. Um, we stay on PVC pipe until it's shown that we can get off PVC pipe. So if movement is still sketchy, we will stay on PVC pipe. Once movement has shown to be consistent, we will load and not until then. So that's, that's how long we stay on PVC pipe for. And it's funny because before 
learning with me, everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to be spending how long with mainly PVC pipe? And then once they get to class, they're like, do we have to? Like, I like my PVC pipe just fine. So generally it's funny because they don't want, they, they want to be loading all the time. And then we get there and they're like, oh, I really don't want to load. Don't make me grab that barbell with weight. So, yeah. so it really depends. I, I remember when I took the CrossFit weightlifting seminar, we did PVC pipe for two days straight until the very end. And I, I mean, that's gotta be one of the most painful, sore, you know, post seminar sessions I've ever done. Uh, I remember the outside of my legs, my IT band areas, were super tight after all the uh, the footwork drills and you know dropping down the snatch balances. It was certainly eye-opening how much work you can do with PVC pipe, especially if you have a knowledgeable coach who's making you hold positions that one ounce or eight ounces of glory turns into a million pounds really quickly. No, for sure. Absolutely. I've done I've demoed for Coach Bergner and Coach Bergner likes to leave you with that bar overhead for while he's telling his story and, and you're dying. <laughs> Your legs are shaking. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And he probably knows he's like, well, this is, it's always fun being the person having someone else demo. Cause then you're like, oh, okay, well now I get to show this in a way that I normally wouldn't, if I was doing it myself, you know, you can't hold a position for super long and talk about it, but if you have a demo, there you go. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah. It's hard to point to yourself. Yeah. Now, um, so when, when you do eventually get people with the barbell, uh, does the progression change or are you just doing the, your version of the Bergner warmup with a barbell now, and then slowly layering in doing full lifts and bringing it down to the floor? I, I mean, I, I, I want to be clear that I'm teaching my own snatch progression. Um, oh, okay. I, I feel, I feel the need to differentiate that in a big way. So we're going to start off with that. And in terms of once we get to the barbell, I, yeah, we can do the snatch progression with the barbell. For me, it's more important to highlight parts of it and then build upon that is generally how I do it. Okay. Now there, there are a lot of snatch progressions out there. Um, do you mind saying what yours is or is that just course only? And that's okay if it is. We'll leave that for course only. All right. Course. So if you want to find out, you got to sign up for the course. Got to sign up for the course. Now um, we got a little bit of time left here. You know, I know you have uh, a very busy schedule uh, with your lifting analysis videos, um, what sparked you to want to do those and like break down the, the games athletes and uh, what kind of feedback have you gotten from those people? So my sister is the reason those, uh, those videos came about. My sister who dances and doesn't give a crap about CrossFit or weightlifting <laughs> and is probably better than at least 50% of the weightlifting coaches in this country just because she listens to me talk about it so much. It was her idea. I mean, she's she's a... I'm going to get the generation wrong, but she's in her twenties, you know, and she knows the up on YouTube and what's happening. And she's like, she's told me forever ago, you need to do reaction videos. I'm like, why the hell would I do a reaction video? What am I going to react to? And why do people care about what I need to say? And like, or like unboxing videos, why would I do an unboxing video? And then I've never done. Oh, I actually, I did one. I, I did one just messing around on my IG for the Romeo fours. Um, so how it came about the reaction video was I was watching a singing coach do a reaction video to Demi Lovato's national anthem for the Super Bowl. And I sat there and I said, 
I just learned a lot about singing that I had no idea about. Like she picked up all these things that I would have never known. And, and that's the second I saw that I said, okay, let's do the video. And that, that was the spark of why I did those reaction videos. Um, the, the, the response has been awesome and not awesome. I think primarily more awesome than not awesome. I've, I get, dms all the time oh my gosh i watched your videos and i drilled some things and in two weeks i put on 40 pounds on my clean like i get that all the time i watched your videos and i pr'd which is beautiful it's like amazing it's wonderful um also got a lot of not fun stuff and got a lot of hate and uh let that i let that be and i and i work with that as well and kind of keep doing what i'm doing yeah, I mean, you can't let it discourage you. I mean, there's always going to be people that speak negatively on on anything, you know, um, but it's certainly it's not easy to put yourself out there like that and create this type of content, you know, yeah. uh, not everybody's comfortable getting in front of the camera and giving their opinion. And I've noticed too on your your page, when you'll post coaching videos, people will make some comments. And the, the thing that comes to my mind is, well, they're taking it almost completely out of context. You know, they're they're kind of losing uh, um, losing focus of the fact that you and this athlete may have a relationship and they understand what you're saying and you're trying to make it make sense to them. So this is why you're saying these words to them and it and it works. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to kind of take coaching out of context because they're not seeing the whole session. They're not seeing where that athlete started and came from. And then their feathers are getting all ruffled and they're like, well, that's not how you you say it, but it's like, um, if you were to watch me coach, I say all kinds of things, you know, when I'm walking around, cause I'm, 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 I know the person and I'm trying to make this make sense to them. And if you were to take that sound bite, you know, there's a lot to learn from it probably, but you can also take it the wrong way. Yeah. And, and, and I, I honestly have had, I'm willing to bet more experience than 99% of these commenters with coaching beginning and in general weightlifting athletes. Right. So when someone tells me, Oh, that's, I think I know what you're referring to, but when someone says, Hey, that's wrong or no one would ever do that, or that, that shows you're not a good coach. My head automatically goes to really, cause it's worked for me 99.9% of the time in immediate gain. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what experience you've had with that yourself but it's worked for me and as long as it works for me and my athletes we're going to keep using it yeah i mean uh maybe maybe you'll have to take the um the joe rogan approach someday you know because he talks about not reading the comments you know so when you're when mood lift blows up to like millions of views and stuff like that you'll have to be like all right i don't have time for the comments anymore oh i can't wait to get the joe rogan 100 million spotify move to austin texas contract i'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. spotify shout out let's let's get that started yeah well, hey, yeah. uh, maybe eventually you'll start up uh, the WooCast or WooLiftCast. I've definitely thought about it. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well, well, here let's um, for fun. Let me do this here. I'm gonna do a little screen share. I've, I've got the master herself on the podcast. So I thought uh, what would be fun is to take <laughs> a look at at this video here. Okay. And really, really, what I want to know is, in your expert opinion analyzing videos all these videos does this video make me look chubby do i look a little, <laughs> little <laughs> very self-conscious about it i don't know um you're probably not the leanest I'll, ever I'll you. can you hear me oh, test we gotta get your audio back test test 
Can you hear me now? Oh, I heard something. Tess, hearing? Nope. Still Audio? lost. <laughs> Let's try this. Can you hear me now? Uh, nope, I can't hear you. Oh, let's try this. Technical difficulties. I can hear you faintly. Can you hear me? Nope. I can hear you. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, you can hear me. I can't hear you. Yep. Yeah. Do you want me to call back in or what do you want to do? Yeah, I'm not. Want me to call in? Yeah, yeah. Let's try. Let's try that. Hold on a second here. I'm not. I'm not sure how you fixed it last time. Hold on here, folks. We'll get Eileen back. Of course, it cut off right after I I called myself chubby. So now we have to we have to have that hang in people's minds. Okay. Yeah. Try that too. All right. We're gonna reconnect here. And then we'll get back in and we will find out the answer in a second. So thank you everybody for listening to my interview here with Eileen Wu. It's been a lot of fun talking to Eileen. We're about to wrap it up pretty soon here. Just having a little technical difficulties with the audio. All right, she's coming back. All right, it says the audio is connecting. Test, test, audio nope. test. <laughs> yeah, maybe go down to the, yeah, let's try that. I, I sent you my number there. We'll do this uh, the, the old fashion, fashion way here. Yeah, one second. There we go. Okay, Eileen is calling into the show. All right, there we go. I got you on speakerphone. Awesome. All right, yep, sometimes technology just doesn't like to cooperate. It happens. There you go. Um, so I was going to say, you're, you're probably not the leanest ever, but the movement looks decent. All right, all right, hey, I'll take that. Not the leanest ever. This is... Uh, Right at the uh, a month into the quarantine, I had a quarantine fluff going on, so we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, it looks pretty. It looks pretty clean. But you are lifting on carpet, though, so we are we are going to call that out. Yeah, I'm I'm lifting in my living room, and you can see my coach over there in the corner, um, just uh, helping me out. It's good to have eyes on you all the time, Mr. Stuffed Animal Hippo. I would take him any day. Yeah, I, I found him in uh, in actually, I didn't find him in Whole Foods. I uh, I walked by him in Whole Foods and made a comment that I liked him. And then my uh, girlfriend, Joanna, surprised me with him uh, one day when I came home from work. Oh, so, that's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Well, he, he keeps me company here. Uh, so Eileen, uh, let's kind of wrap up here. It's been great talking to you. Uh, I just have a couple couple other uh, questions to go through with you. Um, first, in coaching and actually maybe weightlifting, what what brings you the most joy out of weightlifting what like like what is it coaching is it hitting a pr is it seeing an athlete hit a pr or something click what brings you the most joy 
at this point, it's the empowerment of the individual, the, the them getting that, getting it, and not not only the PR. The PR is more fun, but what's more fun is the realization of I did that. Oh, I, I wasn't sure that I could, and it's like, no, you really can. Now go and conquer the world. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, uh, when you when finally, finally click with a movement like that, you definitely feel like you can conquer the world. You know, we've all been there before. Yeah, that's 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 what gets it for me. Awesome. And now, um, any words of advice to someone listening right now on, you know, who's maybe thinking about picking up a barbell or hasn't yet, or any words of wisdom with weightlifting, CrossFit, or even just life, you know, that, that you want to leave the listeners with? I think, I think with, um, we'll go with weightlifting coaching. I think with weightlifting coaching, people tend to just go with whoever is around and they're like, well, that's the weightlifting coach and, and they're, they're here and that's what they say. And that's therefore that must be right. I'd like to, um, I'd like to ask the, can you hear me? Oh yeah. I'd, I'd like to ask all the athletes and all the people out there to kind of pay attention to how you feel around someone and what you resonate with. So yeah, that may, you might want to learn how to snatch and that's really cool for you. And that is the weightlifting coach in your gym, but maybe the weightlifting coach at the other gym is one that resonates better with you, or that just feels better for you. And there's a reason for that and trust that, like, please trust and listen to that voice. Um, and, and to take your time. Um, if you have a question, you should be able to ask it. There's no reason why. Um... If your coach is threatened by it, that's their issue. Um, so, so that's that's what I say. Um, and for those that want to work with me, we work with client, we work with beginning athletes, we work with pro athletes, we work with um, coaches. Uh, check us out at and also you can DM me on my Instagram wu.lift for free responses. Um, so hit us up there. Awesome. Well, Eileen, it's been fantastic talking to you and learning about your history in CrossFit and weightlifting and also your coaching philosophies. We'll have to get you back on the show again in the future to talk more about weightlifting. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, James. Only if you bring the hippo, though. We'll only do it if you bring. Yep. I'll, I'll have them in, in the background next time. You know, actually, there's computers all around my uh, my podcast equipment here because I read that softer you know, uh, uh, things in the room help with the sound a little bit better. So I actually should have brought him in this time. My bad. <laughs> going to be neglected out there in, in the living room. Well, awesome. Well, everyone, right. make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow me, James A. McDermott on Instagram. Make sure you follow Lou Whiffs, or Lou Wu Lifts. There we go. And check out her awesome videos. And thank you again so much for listening. Eileen, thank you again. Thanks. Bye.